welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how you doing? You know how I'm doing. You see me in front of you. Yeah, it's... I, man, do I. I'm a shell of a man. Yeah? No, I'm sick. I've been sick a lot. But, as, as loyal listeners know, I have my glass of raspberry <laughs> emergency, which is, which is going to get me through the hour. Let's make it like 40 minutes today. I'm sick. Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> given our topic, I think 40 minutes will be easy. Um, right now, someone's looking at the at their iPod and saying, this clearly says <laughs> exactly. hour and 12 minutes. It's always fun doing that. Like, when, like, you know, when you mentioned a while back, it's just like, we were talking about our levels, and she's like, oh, it's, it looks quiet, but we'll be fine. Turns out, yeah, insanely quiet. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, anytime it's like, yeah, we'll try, invariably, anytime we talk about, like, yeah, we'll try and keep this one uh, about, you know, 45. I don't see us going very long. An hour, easily. Right, yeah. Over an hour. Um, but, uh, and it's weird because uh, we haven't recorded in about two weeks. Yeah. You know. Because the one that went up seven days before you're I'm not doing that whole video. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we recorded. I'm feeling a bit rusty and I'm sick, so this might not be. You're sick. Might not be you're rusty. Game. I'm rusty, and I will try my best to not make disgusting noises into the microphone. That's going to be an uphill battle, David. You <laughs> are disgusting when you're sick. I have been making disgusting noises for the past two days straight, and it's sort of become a you know white noise to me now. I don't hear them. Uh, um, but another thing I did while I was sick, okay, uh, is I took full advantage of that HBO that I that I that I that I pay for every month. Okay. And I watched a. Uh, a lot of crappy movies. All right. Well, what do you like, like? What? What did you watch, David? Well, here's what I want to talk about. All right. Okay. I watched a lot of crappy movies. I watched. Uh, um, well, I watched uh, John Tucker Must Die, which I ended up liking. Okay. A little bit. I didn't love it, but I'm a sucker for those kind of movies. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. You're a sucker for that kind of. Okay, tangent already. You're kind of a sucker I'm... for that kind of thing. I mean, you. You've watched. You watched Sex in the City. Gilmore, I didn't like Gilmore it. Girls. Gilmore Girls is good. You like Gilmore Girls. You like that's the thing about Sex and the, the City. It's so it's just it's the same as Entourage, and I mean those co- shows have been compared, uh, you know, ad infinitum. But uh, yeah. yet another comparison is they're both shows that I think are really fucking stupid, and that I have seen every episode of. They're so they're compulsively watchable to me, yeah. even though I hate them. Uh, I I can watch Entourage easier than Sex and the City because David, as you know. I am a horrible misogynist. Right. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, just in general, but like what, what gets me as far as like movies, like the movies that you, I mean, you like all kinds of movies, but like the movies that you're starting to talk about, like with John Tucker must die and movies similar to it. Uh-huh. They're not chick flicks. They're movies for like teen girls. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's like, not must. I'm not gonna watch must love dogs. Exactly. You know, you're not, yeah. it's not, you know, the wedding date or the wedding planner or American wedding. No, that one's actually a little closer to what you're talking about. But right. like, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna watch Must Love Dogs, but I will watch uh, Never Been Kissed on a fucking repeat <laughs> on a loop. <laughs> Love that movie. Um, but anyway, so John Tucker Must Die. You liked that one? Oh, I'm sorry, I just did it out into the microphone. I think. Oh, that's all right, yeah. listeners. Sorry, you know, listeners. whatever. Um, okay, so and then I I also watched the number twenty three. The number twenty three with uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You got to watch it. It's I. It's so bad, but it's so much fun. When I first saw a trailer, I just like, this looks like an exercise in commitment, uh, <laughs> where everybody is committed to something that ev- that I w- nobody could possibly be on board for, but everyone's just like, all right, let's do it. Well, let's see what we can. Okay, so you know the story that he, yeah, he gets a bu- a novel called the Number Twenty Three, right? And he sees reflections of himself in the main character. Yeah. Do you know the the name of the author of the novel? Novel. Oh man. What is it? Topsy Kretz. <laughs> <laughs> and as dumb as that is, uh, it's fun within the movie. Like you're like, okay, this is the level we're operating at. Exactly. All right, let's yeah. let's have fun. That said, without that last name, I, how awesome would it be to have your name be Topsy? <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm Topsy. I don't know. That'd it be... sounds like a, it. Kind of sounds like a chick name. It sounds like a character that Bernadette Peters would play. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, so uh, now I want to talk about a couple movies that I that I All watched. Right. Um, uh, I watched, knowing it would be bad, not knowing it would be this bad, uh, because I said so. Oh, okay. That is a fucking mess of a movie. Right. It's 
Oh, Diane Keaton. I... I, I I thought I used to think that I liked Diane Keaton because yeah. she was in Annie Hall and The Godfather. Yeah. You know, uh, she is unbearable in this movie. Yeah, she doesn't seem to know what's going on. She doesn't seem to know what comedy is. Uh, a, a lot of the movie plays like if you like say you played an episode of Saturday Night Live for a group at a at an old folks home and then said, "Now you try your hand at sketch comedy." <laughs> That's what a lot of because I said so plays like. Uh, it's 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 painful. It's terrible. And then I watched a movie uh, called Lucky You, the Curtis yeah. Hansen uh, film. Now, uh, for uh, a lot of people know, Lucky You was originally slated for release in like 2003. And right, then right. it sat for like four years. I don't think it came out until early, it's like spring of, yeah. of 2007, I think. Um, and I know we talked about this recently. I can't really remember the context, uh, but we were, I remember I mentioned Knock Around Guys as being a movie that had sat for a while. Right. You know, and then turned out to be, you know, not that bad. Not, it's yeah. not great. It's not that bad. And it's the same thing with Lucky You. It's, um, you know, it's it's a little cheesy. Uh, it's a little slapped together. But overall, it's a pretty cool kind of like a shaggy dog of a movie, yeah. you know? Uh, and, you know, the presence of Drew Barrymore is not helping it at all. Right. Uh Drew Barrymore is like I know you always bring this up with Keanu Reeves like like you're like I hate to sound like a broken record but he can't act and that's exactly how I feel about Drew Barrymore like I mean I don't want to sound misogynistic I know that's your territory gotcha but to me she's not pretty enough to be able to get away with not being that good of an actress yeah she's still it's weird like like in uh, Charlie's Angels and stuff like movies all about sexy women I still view her as like cutesy like i don't yeah there, there are probably some people out there who, who are like oh drew barrymore she's hot and it's like i don't think so yeah but we are starting to sound a little like uh anyway well i oh well hang on okay here let me let me i'll, I'll turn this uh a different way uh for the parts that she gets she is usually like she gets parts for attractive women so that said she should probably be attractive and her acting is not good enough to make up for that all right. right. And okay. so I think there's I think that's the problem. Right, but I know. can deal with her in a like as as awful as as they are as, you know, omens for the future of movie making. I kind of like the Charlie's Angels movies. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I I, I get I get caught up in their uh whole milieu. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh and she's she's right for that. I think she's got the goofiness, you know, and she doesn't have to act in those movies at all, but when she shows up in a in a movie like Lucky You or in a movie like, say, uh, Riding in Cars with Boys, yeah. which with a major cast overhaul could have been a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands, it was just Steve Zahn swimming out there alone. <laughs> well, now I I haven't seen Lucky You, and I you know I keep meaning to because I like Curtis Hanson, I like Eric Bana, and of course I love Robert Duvall. But yeah. just like and Robert Downey Jr. has a cameo in it. Oh man, just just one scene, but it's a pretty good scene. Well, there's why haven't I seen this? And just actually, it's not that good a scene, and there's no real reason for it to be in the film. Well, but you, it's Robert it makes Downey you Jr., it so. makes you wonder if it's just like oh maybe he maybe he was in it more or something like or maybe a right. payoff to that scene you know uh, right. was cut out or something like that, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in it, in it isn't uh, she supposed to be like a she's supposed to be like a. A nightclub singer or something. Yeah. Which is not what I think of when I think of Drew Barrymore. You know, um, did you see Fever Pitch with her and Jimmy Fallon? No. Okay. Not bad. Really? Actually. And she's not she's not bad, Jimmy Fallon. It's just there I really think there are certain actors and actresses that in they have a very limited range, but they can be good in exactly the right role. And I felt like that was the right role for her. Uh and the right role for Jimmy Fallon, now that I think of it. And you brought up Keanu Reeves, so yeah. I say... You know what? I think The Matrix is, was the perfect role for him. Yeah, and there are people with perfect roles. There is, in my opinion, no right role for Jimmy Fallon. Uh, and that includes uh, taking over for Conan. I'm so bummed. I, here's the thing. The choice, as it's, it seems like it's come down to either Jimmy Fallon or Carson Daly taking yeah. over for Conan... Do you remember that Simpsons Halloween episode where what are the aliens' names? Uh, uh, Kang and Kodos. Yeah, where they 
their way of taking over the country oh, yeah, is yeah. to run as president against <laughs> one another. Right, yeah, that's what I, f- I feel like I'm in that episode. Like Carson Daly or Jimmy Fallon. Well, thankfully, you got yourself some Craig Ferguson. That's, that's true. Another thing. Yeah, I have been. It's it has become. I've read about this uh, in several magazines now. That uh, Conan, of course, has a huge lead against uh, Craig Ferguson, but the lead is narrowing. Yeah, because a lot of people are going over, and you know what? Damn right, I like I like Conan. Don't get me wrong, but just Craig Ferguson. Have you watched his show? Yeah, it's great. He's great. Like he's, he's really good at what he does in a in a sort of. I mean, I I I wasn't around for like the old school of this type of right. thing, but that's what it seems like it is. Yeah, it's just it really. He comes out. He you know there are there's like your traditional monologue which everybody does, and he doesn't. He goes out and just like talks i mean he probably i think he's got some jokes prepared but mostly like humor comes from him just talking you know and just being naturally funny yeah in a monologue format it's really and he's good with the guests like he actually listens to them and like i saw him interview uh ben kingsley and it was one of the best interviews i'd ever seen and clearly ben kingsley was having fun because he was getting asked questions that he's never been asked before right and just like questions about his uh, his knighthood, you know, stuff like uh-huh. that, and just like yeah, he's probably not asked that kind of thing by other people, but of course Craig Ferguson right. is from that part of the world, so I don't know. It's just people go go and give Craig Ferguson a look, you know. Well, you know, I remember um, Jay Leno once said, I think this is back during the sort of uh, or maybe. In, in in like the mid to late nineties, you know, when it was all about Leno versus Letterman, a lot, right, you right. Know? And I remember Leno saying that Letterman's show is a comedy show with talk, and his show is a talk show with comedy. Yeah, now, I think Craig Ferguson is also a talk show with comedy, except that Craig Ferguson is much better at the comedy part. Like he's just yeah. like a naturally funny guy, you know. Whereas Jay Leno, and I, you know, I, maybe he was once, or maybe he still is good on stage as a as a stand up yeah. act, but the, what he has to do for being a talk show host, he doesn't have the persona for it. I don't think. Yeah, and it's yet a he's shame. Been successful for way too long now. Mo- mo- the majority of my life, I think. You know, and it's odd because I would, I would actually say that uh, Ferguson is a comedy show with you know guests from time really? to time because okay. it really just seems uh, he loves having guests. You can tell, and he really he won't go through just the typical roster of questions, but like. He just goes out and like has fun, and it's almost like somebody has to be like, "Hey, by the way, uh, you need to interview someone." He's like, "Oh, all right," and he just goes over to the desk and just I don't know. It's like I've watched enough of it now, and I've watched like clips of you on YouTube. And have you have you heard about like you know some of his like he had yeah, a, the Britney Spears the Britney thing Spears thing that, yeah. and the thing about his dad. Oh, you told me about it. I haven't seen where that. basically for listeners who don't know, uh, his dad passed away, and he had to do a show the next day. Um, and so he went out and his monologue wound up being just kind of a eulogy for his dad. And he didn't try and make it a funny eulogy. He literally was just like, he understood that's like, you know what? People are tuning in to see me and, you know, it sounds mean, but, and kind of egocentric, you know, egocentric, but just like, you know, and this is me. I'm not feeling very funny right now, uh, but I need, and I want to get this off my chest and just, and he really, just said it, and he, like he, he didn't really cry that much, but you could tell he was always like about to, and and just in general, and he just, and he was able to kind of compartmentalize it a little bit, like it was that night. The next night he came on and was hilarious, and just, and that's the episode that he was uh, nominated for an Emmy for, and oh. so it's just, it's, it's interesting, uh, and well, it's a really good show, and he's just a really genuine guy. Um, now, before we get into the topic, I want to get back. To, we've gotten on way on so many tangents where I still yeah. had something I wanted to say about oh, Lucky, I'm sorry. About Lucky You uh, and Knock Around Guys and stuff like that. I don't understand the thinking. Why is this movie held for four years and then a movie like Because I Said So, which is patently terrible from yeah. any standpoint. There is... I can't... I literally can't imagine someone liking Because I Said So. Right. It's it's just that poorly made and that bereft of, of comedy. Yeah. And, and and Lucky You, which is just a, a mediocre movie, but not horrid. Why is that movie sitting on a shelf for four years? Well, and especially because that movie was made in the midst of a huge 
poker explosion. You know, I yeah. mean, you can. But I kind of feel like maybe that, that that's a good point actually, because by two thousand three, it had already started to fall off a little bit. I think the big poker bit. thing was like two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it on, uh, you know, and it's. I mean, it's still on on ESPN two or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a big thing there, and I and wonder so, if maybe they were just trying to put a buffer between. I don't know. It's it just in general, it just seems like what I mean. Like, what is it about? Like, it's just like, yeah, okay, this is made in the midst of a fairly popular thing. Granted, that it would start to, start to tail off a little bit, but like, still very popular with a director that he's not necessarily a household name, but he's got some good credits behind him. Yeah. With Eric Bana, not really that well known, but Drew, Drew Barrymore certainly is, and Robert Duvall as well. And just like, wh- yeah, it's got like, more going for it than against it. Absolutely, yeah. And so, and it just it goes to show again, and this is us, you know, postulating as to why it was held. But yeah. if that is the reason, it goes to show once again that the studio executives and people who make these kinds of decisions don't understand anything about why people watch movies. If the movie is good, and that movie was, I, I'm sure it would have made more money. Yeah, had it been released then, because movies get when movie sits, people find out about it and they yeah. get a stigma, you know. And if some if a movie's good, people will like it. Yeah. You know, and it makes me wonder. I mean, I mean, as long as it's not, you know, I mean, obviously there are exceptions. Even if a movie's good and then really challenging, a lot of people might stay away from it. You know, like a Before Night Falls is not going to, you know, be breaking one hundred and fifty million dollars right. at the box office. Well, but, and The Quiet American was very critical of the U.S. and it was supposed to come out in like two thousand one and. Right, and everyone's like, maybe we don't want something that's critical of U.S. foreign policy right now, and so they pushed it back. But at the same time, they also realized, like, hey, we can do an, turn this into an Oscar movie, and sure enough, they did. And yeah. so, but like a movie like, um, I mean, how old is Assassination of Jesse James? I mean, that's what two years old. I don't know, because it yeah, because that was on the shelf for a while. I didn't realize that, and uh, and I don't remember why it uh, why they held it. I mean. But uh, a lot of people said that, you know, if they had released it at the time, like Casey Affleck by now would have been a much bigger name. But that it was kind of fortuitous because then between Gone Baby Gone and Assassination of Jesse James, now he absolutely – two movies in one year. Now, it you know, he's – Well, Tyler, maybe the reason they hold movies is because they're just evil. Maybe they are. But what – David, what does that mean to you? Well, let's get into it, shall we? All right. Uh, we're going to talk about portrayals of evil. Yeah. And this is going to be... We did an episode on villains. Right. This is different. This is different. Here's the... Th- okay. So, fairly lofty subject. And probably at the beginning, we are going to have to kind of define evil. Now, well, you, I don't, wanna, necessarily, I you necessarily don't have to... We don't have to necessarily come to a consensus of what we think is evil, but just, you know, uh, what... Like, David, how would you say you define evil? Well, I mean, the, I just want to talk about the difference between a villain and what we're talking about. Okay. Because a villain is someone that you could conceivably, some part of your mind could root for, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Villains are kind of fun. They are, yes. Uh, evil is, you know, Ben Kingsley and Sexy Beast. Like, someone that right. is, A, realistic, mm-hmm. and B, uh terrifying in a mental sense like even yeah. even from the safety of your seat you should feel at the very least upset about their presence yeah they're just like wow the world has allowed this man to exist how did that happen you yeah. know um and that's the thing is like so we'll we'll certainly be bringing up a lot of individual characters but i also feel like the way the movie treats that character you know is kind of denotes what the movie feels about evil. And so, like, for example, here's what the, set me off on this, David. Odd okay. as it may seem, and we mentioned this a while, uh, a couple episodes ago, that um, Jen and I recently watched episodes one, two, and three of Star Wars okay. in the course of, like, two days. And uh, n- number one is pretty much a train wreck. Two is a little better. And I didn't then, think it was very much better. Well, there, it didn't have Jar Jar Banks, and that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, not that I like Jar, not that I love Jar Jar Banks, but right. uh, 
I think too much of the blame for that movie gets put on him. It's pretty much a, a, a 360 degree bad movie. Oh yeah, yeah, it's and pretty rough. He's he's ju- he's just one one facet, and I wouldn't even say the 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 biggest facet of it. Well, I think I think you could also look at it this way: the f- number one wastes the talent of Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson. Number two only wastes the talent of Ewan McGregor. So I think just <laughs> you know. Um, Although, for the record, I think Ewan McGregor did a really great job as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just, a, you know, doing a uh, young Alec Guinness. Uh, he does very well. Um, but here's How the do thing you about- feel about Ewan McGregor? Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. I like him. I think he's really good. But it's just, I, I almost feel like, I almost feel like his time has passed. There was a time in like the early, in like the late 90s, early 2000s, where he was just, Everyone's like, man, this guy is going to be huge. And he headlined well, a couple of movies. Yeah, I would say as far back, because a lot of it has to do with train spotting. spotting. When I was in high school, he was maybe my favorite actor. Yeah. And now he's kind of getting on my fucking nerves. Yeah, it's... I, I, but I can't even put my finger on why. There's just something about him. Well, what do you think? Something he... about him riding his bike all over the world and not cutting his beard. Like... <laughs> He's not who I thought he was. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I, I have this idea of him that's yeah. based on like Train Spotting and Shallow Grave and like the cool sort of Danny Boyle view of yeah. you know, and lifeless ordinary, pretty much the Danny Boyle right. uh, presentation of Ewan McGregor and the fact that he's like uh, kind of a scummy hippie kind of upsets me. <laughs> um, excuse me. Uh, so anyway, okay. But then he's in some really good movies too. I mean, I know. Did you see Young Adam? No, I didn't. Fucking great. Okay. And then uh, highly he, was recommended. In, he was in Moulin Rouge and he was in yeah, Down uh, With Love. Down With Love. Yeah, it's – I would like to – because he is a good actor. He's a he's a – I'd say a very solid actor. Um, and I want to see him get in something good because he was in that movie Deception, which is getting awful reviews. Yeah. Um, and thankfully will be forgotten. I'd say now it's for, it's been forgotten already. But um, Wait, which movie we're we talking about? Right on. <laughs> um, all right. Now, and in every interview, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. He can't help talking about how, and I guess he hasn't done this for a while, but he likes to be naked on screen, and he's naked in a fair amount of movies. Yeah, and he talks about that a lot. Yeah, and I used to think it was just him, like back when you know, at the in the Velvet Goldmine time, I thought it was just him being like being cool and being kind of glam. But it's he's kind of a. I don't know. He's kind of granola in a way that that upsets me. That I, I want him to be like a hard drinking, like I want him to be like what Colin Farrell uh, tries to present himself as. Yeah, that's what I want you and McGregor to be. Tries yeah. to present himself as or is? Dad tries to no. Okay, fair enough. Colin Farrell's a pretty boy. All right, you want him to be like Russell Crowe. Yeah, somebody not afraid to throw a phone at somebody. Yeah, but but also. I guess I'm like molding my idea of like the perfect. Uh, I guess <laughs> it's it's kind of getting homoerotic in here because I'm like talking about my perfect ideal man, you know, <laughs> essentially an ideal actor. What have you turned like, into when you're sick? Good lord! <laughs> like essentially a Russell Crowe, but maybe makes the acting choices that you and McGregor used to make, or like a Billy Crudup makes now. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sure yeah. it's not Crudup. But that's how I like to say it. I know, because it sounds insulting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, all right, now, David. Okay, back to evil. Right. Back to <laughs> I've gotten that's all a, my help you and McGregor stuff out of my system. That's a fun phrase. Um, anyway, so Star Wars Episode Three, I actually like uh, quite a bit, in fact. Really? Um, is that just... Really, is that just in comparison to... Oh, absolutely. Okay, in comparison, yeah, it's the, definitely the best of the three, but yeah. I still would say if I had to if I had to sit next to Richard Roper, and, and I, I would give it a thumbs down. Okay, what about sitting next to me? Well, we don't do the thumbs up, thumbs down thing. Oh, okay, all right. We need to. No, we shouldn't, because I don't like it. Yeah, it's a little uh, black and white. Yeah, but it is like... It, you know, when some people, when a person like you asked me what I thought of a movie, yeah, you want a real answer. You know, yes, I do. But uh, there's a lot of people. You know, like uh, I finally got around to watching Juno fairly recently. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think I've even talked. No, to you I don't about think that. you did tell me that. Uh, and I, like, my response to Juno is actually pretty complex, and I have a lot to say about it. Yeah. But if someone just wanted to know thumbs up or thumbs down, I'd have to give it a thumbs down. Okay. All right. Glad to hear that. Um, 
And here's, you know, it's weird. There are some, there are some things like you. Uh, when we talked about time travel movies, um, I talked about Butterfly Effect uh-huh. and how it's a movie that is very easy to write off. But it did make me think about certain things. Right. And because it did that, I couldn't write it off. I feel much the same about Star Wars 3. It made me think at the time and upon watching it again about the nature of evil. And so this is where we come into my definition of it. And my definition, I guess, I don't know if it's informed by, by my Christianity or anything. But uh-huh. uh, the way I, I look at it as self-interest and self-involvement to the exclusion of everything else where literally you put yourself first and are obsessed with your obsessed with yourself uh-huh. to the point that anything else and everything else becomes completely irrelevant. You know, like whether it be, you know, if somebody dies or if you kill them, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you could say that's sociopathic, but it's well, just, I think socio. Yeah, they're, they're pretty evil. Is pretty, is pretty <laughs> yeah. evil. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, he, and I think a lot of my definite, like when I first saw Star Wars Episode Three, I really started thinking, what is evil? Like, what? How would I define it? And it it comes it comes about. There is a scene. It's the big climactic lightsaber duel between Obi Wan and Anakin. Uh-huh. And there is a part where Obi Wan has the higher ground. Uh, ground. And by this point Anakin has uh, become evil or he's become Darth Vader I guess and so Obi-Wan tell and Anakin you can tell he's about to jump to the higher ground which puts him very much at a disadvantage and Obi-Wan is going to have to do what he has to do and he's going to kill him or hurt him and Obi-Wan worrying about his friend says don't do this I have the higher ground don't you know don't try it you know he's saying don't do this because then you're going to force me to hurt you and Anakin responds with saying, you underestimate my power, jumps, and gets both legs and an arm cut off. Right. Oh, and then, I'm sorry, lit on fire. Um, and just, and so... Spoilers, Tyler. I'm joking. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you always worry about my, about me spoiling things, and so I can never tell anymore. But part of me is about to really lay into me well, like, there's hey, a difference between Vader. leaving the milk out. <laughs> you get it like we're like a couple. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to... Beat you over the head, um, but anyway. So like that that scene and that exchange, it led me to think about evil and what will eventually happen with evil. And then I flashed back to my uh, modern European history class, where I where they talked about uh, the Nazis invading Russia, where literally nobody who ever invaded Russia ever succeeded ever. Because uh-huh. it's too big, and the weather will destroy you. Yeah. And, but, you know, Germany was just so full of itself and just so certain that everything we do will work out for us um, that <laughs> they're just like, okay, we can do it. We will We will get, you know, Russia. And so they go over there, and uh, sure enough, the weather kills them. Um, yeah. And they have to go back, and it decimates a huge part of Now, they do you know, kill a lot of Russians and destroy a lot of villages, but like, so good for them. Exactly. They've got that going for them. Um, but, uh, it decimates their ranks. And so just in general, the idea of like evil, you become so self obsessed and self involved that you can't even see things clearly anymore. Like the only thing you know is what you can do. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if Obi-Wan Kenobi has the higher ground and you literally cannot win. It does. That doesn't matter, you know? And just, so it really yeah, so, got me- okay, so your idea is that essentially that evil comes from, I mean, to be glib about it, just overconfidence? Overconfidence, I suppose. But, I mean, yeah, overconfidence to an insane extreme. Right. Um, okay. Where, I mean, but, you could also say selfishness to an extreme. But you don't see, especially with Star Wars, and I, I know this is a very sort of, uh, le- le- you know, bleeding heart liberal point of view, but don't okay. you think there's a there's an inherent vulnerability in someone that, that chooses to behave like that. And I, I, the reason I say, especially with star Wars is because that's my main problem with that, that portrait of evil. I know that we sort of like, uh, for lack of a better term, intellectual film goers, Mm -hmm. you know, 
we like to see evil humanized. You know, we like a yeah, we like I a do. monster. You know, right. uh, with with Charlize Theron. Uh, but I feel like George Lucas goes a little too far in that direction and makes Anakin kind of a, a, a whiny bitch. Well, they, he certainly does. Uh, certainly in the second one, and then in the. But that's the thing is like the evil in his in his case comes from a place that people can relate to. He's whiny because things aren't working out the way he wants, the way he wants. Uh And after a while, what he wants starts to outweigh what anybody else wants and what he knows is good. And so like it does humanize his evil because it gives us. And in fact, he winds he winds up uh, he winds up turning evil because he wants to he wants to keep his wife from dying. Uh-huh. Like he learn, like, you know, uh, the emperor says, I can teach you the way to, uh, not, you know, to keep people from dying. And he's like, Oh, absolutely. So like it comes from a pl- something that everybody can relate to, but it literally becomes like, Oh, this, it's not really about her. Is it? It's about you being hurt. Right. And that's exactly. the thing is just, it comes from these instincts that everybody has, but it's then putting them to the, putting them so far up that it doesn't. Anybody else is irre- is completely irrelevant. I'd say uh, another example. I'd say maybe the best example on my list is Harry Lime. Oh um, yeah. Who? Her, I'd say Harry but Lime. I mean, that's in a very. Excuse me. That's in a very large sense. He's not caring about right about others. Right. Uh, I, it's because I'm sick and my. Just my my brain is just full of snot right now. Uh, I can't really think, uh, but uh, I can't think of any examples. But I like where you're going with the not even caring about those that you claim to love on a one to one on one basis. Right. Like that's more. That's very interesting to me. But I can't think of any examples because I'm. Yeah, I mean, the, almost any almost anybody could become uh, Harry Lime, where he doesn't care about people who are faceless. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. we talked about that. Uh, when we talked about the third man, yeah, um, that he just you know sees those as the little dots, sees these people as little dots moving around, and if you if one stopped moving, would you really care? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of it's the kind of attitude that people probably have, but he takes it to an extreme where he actually it's like it's one thing to be kind of bummed out if the dot stops moving, but you can't really do anything about. It. It's another thing to be like if that dot stops moving, I make money, you know. Right. Um, but uh but i would say like you know um we br- lately we have been bringing up there will be blood quite a bit but yeah. there's an example where literally i mean he care i mean you can tell daniel day lewis at the beginning he cares about his son yeah he really does and then by the end he Casts off his son completely because... Yeah. But in a way, I don't think he ever... And maybe this is, again, me being a humanizing lefty. But okay. I don't think he ever really stops caring about his son. He just... He has his priorities. And right. Caring about his son is is being overshadowed by something else. Exactly. I mean, it's it's being overshadowed by him. Yeah. But that's the thing is... I, I don't mean to give the impression that, like, when I think of evil, I think in terms of, like, well, this person isn't even human. Because I think evil can come from a human place the desire to have more there's nothing necessarily wrong with that i wish i had more yeah you know what i mean it's just the idea it's just that taken probably a few too many steps i wouldn't even say to a huge extreme i mean if you look at somebody like um rupert murdoch what rupert murdoch well, I was going to say Alonzo in uh, Training Day, but uh, whatever. Oh, okay. Hey, do what you got to do. Where there's a guy who, you know, he took that this sense of entitlement. It's like, you know, I'm out there busting my ass every day, putting my ass on the line. I should get a little something. And honestly, almost everybody could would think that way. Yeah. I thought that way when I worked at Little Caesars and uh, justified taking one more 20 ounce of, pe- of Coke daily uh than i was entitled to you know um sorry uh mike felder um anyway but uh and that's the thing is he and he takes it to such an extreme that after a while he's killing people because of it you know because it's and so i feel like the best portraits of evil are the ones 
and the most complex and probably the truest are the ones that spring from something that everybody can relate to. You know, Anakin doesn't want to lose a loved one. You know, um, Daniel Plainview wants, you know, to live a good life, you know, and then Alonzo wants, you know, he wants to be kind of recognized or at least wants some kind of yeah payment for what, for a noble thing that he's doing. And yeah, I'll just, bring up another film uh, okay. and talk about sort of sympathizing uh, Bully. Oh, know? yeah. Um, now, a lot of, you know, a lot of people have problems with, with Larry Clark, and um, I'm kind of okay with that because uh, he essentially is more than anything a, a provocateur. Yeah. That's sort of his uh, his main thrust. But to me, that's 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 fine. That's that's just the genre in which he works. And yeah. And he still makes really uh, uh, affecting films. Yeah. Um, uh, but bully, even right there in the title, like, you know, nobody likes a bully. Everyone's going to sympathize with the person being bullied. Right. But they sort of take that in and using their sort of uh, uh, ignorant hick logic, yeah. they just go to what seems to them a natural place. Let's let's kill him. And right. then it becomes uh, – because of what you felt for, like, the Brad Renfro character, you know, when he right. gets, like – when Nick Stahl punches him in the face while he's driving the car and, you yeah. know, and like makes him dance. And like, obviously you feel very sorry for him there. Uh, there's a turning, there has to be a turning point for every viewer where you go, uh, you know, you, you, you realize that this is not right anymore. And I, right. and I wonder, cause I think, you know, as provocative and uh, as, uh, with the gratuitous, uh, nudity of people who appear to be underage, yeah. you know, Apart from all that, uh, Bully is a really fine film, and, yeah. and I feel like that turning point is probably different for different people. I imagine it is, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and that's and you know there's there's something there's something else that I wanted to mention, which is because when I watched to get back to where this started, when I watched episode three. I thought of two things. What is evil uh-huh. and where does it lead? And when I get to where does it lead, this is probably where my faith comes into play because okay. it may be one of those things where where I think it leads is more is closer to where I want it to lead. You know, in the in the case of in the case of Harry Potter, um like in the fifth movie, and of course I haven't read the books, but I do, I know how they end anyway, because um, I'm a, I like, spoilers don't bother me, so I assume they don't bother listeners. Um, they probably do. Well, they, you know what, stop me. listening. No, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. I'll... What are you, Tommy Davidson? It's <laughs> um... uh, pretty <laughs> awesome. Well, we did get that email saying our, our shit was mad corny. Um <laughs> But the uh, but uh, yeah, I won't even like when I finish the episode of Lost. You know, yeah. I won't even watch the next week on Lost. Oh, really? Um, I don't like spoilers. But I mean, Lost is a show that's you know, spoilers are kind of the the meat of the sandwich there. Well, I like the idea of like watching Lost and getting any sense of satisfaction from the <laughs> coming up next. Um. Anyway, but uh, yeah, where no, does it lead? Oh well, oh yeah, Harry Potter. Thank you. Harry Potter, uh, at the end of the fifth movie, they bring up something interesting, which is in the midst of, like, you know, uh, a major character who's a good guy just died. It's very sad. And yet the movie ends on a a very slight, upbeat note. And And there's a little exchange between Harry and his friends in which he says, you know, he's like, Things are going to be really crappy. I'm paraphrasing. Uh-huh. Um, things are going to be really crappy, but we have one thing that he doesn't, that Voldemort doesn't have. He says, what's that? And he goes, something worth fighting for. And uh-huh. in that case, that means loved ones and friendship and just in general, good, you know. And Voldemort, the only thing he has to fight for is his own glory. And, re- and the idea that just that, it's not enough. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, I... I guess I'll be the more cynical of the two okay. of us and say that you know often that's enough, you know. Yeah. And uh, and you know it's it's a much grayer, you know. I I guess you're thinking of someone like uh, you know, 
like a Hitler or a Mussolini right. who sort of get their comeuppance in a way, you yeah. know, at least. Uh, but if you look at someone like like Pinochet, who did awful things to the yeah. the people of Chile, you know, and sure, uh, pretty much everyone in the thinking world knows that he was evil now, but yeah. apart from like, I mean, he essentially got like house to, house arrest, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, is is it justice enough for him to be exposed? Like, should he be punished as well? And then that gets into other sort of liberal philosophizing, but... right. Uh, it's it's it, and this is again to illustrate the difference between a villain and something who's just evil. The villain yeah. you is probably gonna die, you know, and that's gonna right. be fine. An evil person, there's a gray area, and uh, it's all gray actually. I think. Well, yeah, but and 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 you could go so far as to say this that like, like let's go back to there will be blood now. Dane, D- Daniel Plainview, do you think? Because it's it's kind of left open. Do you think he gets arrested? Oh, uh, you know what? Spoilers. In case anybody hasn't seen it, yeah, people should see it. But yes, yeah. this is an official spoiler, alert, not just yeah. us joking around. So skip ahead a few minutes, or just watch the movie and then come back and watch the rest of it, or listen to the rest of this. But uh, yeah, at the end, here comes the spoiler. Seriously, stop now. He uh, smashes Paul Dano's head in. Yeah, with uh, with the bowling pin. Uh, yeah, I, I think whether or not he gets caught is very much depends on how much of a cynic you are, right? Because I think probably not, and my and I think uh, I think probably not as well, actually. Oh, but here's what. But here's 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 the argument that I'm that I'm making is that he may not get his comeuppance, but look at him, he loses. You know what I mean? I mean, look how he's a yeah. he's not a, only he's by, an absolute miserable person. But only by our standards does he lose. By his standard, he's still ahead. And that's the thing is like he just and I feel like in that way, I almost feel sorry for him. Um, but I guess just in my view, like there is a well, if you don't feel a little sorry for him, then the movie hasn't done its job. Well, I right, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's a little bit of that, but like. I don't know. It's and that's the thing is just it's like is hit you know is his standard the same like are both standards equal like by my standard he absolutely loses because there's he has all this money and has no one to share it with and it's like yeah he'll probably beat the rap I've never said that before but uh-huh. you know he'll probably he'll he'll probably be fine on that front but he has alienated everybody he sits alone drunk. Uh, sleeping in a bowling alley in his own house, which he probably never leaves. But this and is just, again bringing it back to the Pinochet thing. Like, yeah, like you know, we can all point our finger, but by his standards, he's doing okay. And yeah, and that's that's so frustrating to me. Yeah. Uh, and, but again, not that I want him to. Be, I, it's it's a very tricky uh, subject because I am not really big on on. You know the state punishment. You know, like right. uh, the the systems that we have in place with, you know, jail in general, and then specifically capital punishment. They don't work. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think they should be implemented anyway. They're not very, uh, very liberal. But so I don't really know what I want to happen. But I guess, I guess what I want is for Daniel Plainview to go, oh, and see things from our point of view. That's all I want. I don't want him to be. That's it. I don't want him to be punished. I just want him to see why he has lost. I don't want it to happen in the movie. I'm saying in real life. In the movie, right. I like the way it ends. Yeah, absolutely. But in um, real life, I want, uh, I, I want Pinochet. I want him to be like Angel on Buffy and Angel. Okay. Okay. 150 years of tearing up the ro- the the European countryside and just killing everyone. Okay. Yeah. And then he kills the wrong person. He kills a gypsy's daughter. The gypsies curse him with the soul, and he feels the ang- he feels the the regret for every person he ever killed. Right. That's what I want to happen to someone. Like, I'm, I'm not saying they need to be thrown in in jail. Like, that's going to satisfy me. Maybe they should be thrown in jail. But I just want people who are evil to eventually realize that they were evil and feel really bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to happen. Like, really bad. Like, like Angel. You know, you know, move to Los Angeles and fight crime for the rest of your, you know immortal life because yeah. you feel so bad about it that's how bad i, I want I, essentially I, I wish pinochet had started a sort of demon detective, detective agency <laughs> <laughs> um 
You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, there is a there's a book that I highly recommend by C.S. Lewis. Uh, as far as books by him and stories by him, it's not really well known, but I I absolutely love it. It's called The Great Divorce, and basically it is like his view of heaven and hell. Okay. And it's fascinating because his view of hell, it's not people burning. It's not even people being tortured. It's basically. Now, was this made into a musical? Was it The Gay Divorce A? Is this the same thing? <laughs> I would have to say yes. Okay. Um, but the... Uh, <laughs> I was a little slow on the draw on that. <laughs> um, but I'm sick, so everything's... Yeah, it all useful. works out. Um, I'm sure the listeners will bear with you. Um, <laughs> but the uh, his idea of hell is people who are literally trapped in just the bullshit that they were trapped in on Earth. But with none of the happy stuff. Yeah. Like, little things... Like, Often, like, even though they're in hell, they, like, will take bus trips yeah. to heaven, and they oh. are, and then they are confronted by, not confronted, but they're met by an old associate of theirs saying, hey, uh, want to come in here? And then the person will be like, oh, well, uh, you know, um, am I allowed to, to paint in there? And the person, and then the guy's like, well, uh, well I mean you're allowed to it's like you you won't want to it's like when you paint it on earth uh the you know you were trying to capture and the the essence of heaven you're trying to capture a certain degree of beauty even if you're painting something grotesque you know but this is heaven you don't need to capture that it's all it's all there and the guy's like well if i don't want to paint it's like if i'm not going to want to paint i don't want to go and the guy's like you're missing the point entirely and that's the thing is just invariably these people would refute they would choose not to go into heaven and they would never realize they were wrong but they were never truly happy even when they thought they were happy and it's just yeah. a really it's a fascinating uh it's a fascinating book and it's written with all the wit of, that you associate um, with a uh, with c.s lewis but uh, it's good stuff it reminds me of do you remember john the homicidal maniac the comic book <laughs> yes i do series when he goes to hell do you yeah. remember? and it's just like normal and everybody seems okay and then he yeah. sees the guy freak out about not having the right kind of cream cheese for the bagel right runs out of the street gets hit by a bus yeah and then he finds out that happens to that guy every day and yeah it's basically just people living their normal lives but maybe just tweaked a little bit more in intense right that, that's that's what hell is and that's the and thing it sounded it's, awful it's exactly and so much in the same way like you know daniel plainview he's never gonna realize how miserable he is but that doesn't change the fact that he is and he can't get out of it right you know so like that's his punishment is something that is certainly very cerebral but uh it's much in the same way uh noah cross you know from chinatown right who and I mean, there's a guy who's absolutely evil. I mean, <laughs> literally. And then you know, when he's confronted with his evil, he's just like, "Well, hey, you know, I uh, I believe that anybody, you know, in the right circumstance, anybody can do anything." And it's just like, "Wow, that's not even a, close to an answer to that question." Uh, but I don't know. He kind of justifies it, and he like he, I mean, talk about a guy who there was a face on his victim. You know, uh, and he just, and he's going to get away with it at the end. But like, and that's what's frustrating about the movie. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, but how, I'd say even more than Daniel Plainview. Like there's a guy who it's like, who's probably thinking like, yeah, this is pretty good. I think I've got it all right. Got my granddaughter here who's probably, you know, it's just like, everything's great. Never mind that she's, you know, also my daughter, but, uh, oh, spoilers. You know what? Never mind. People have seen Chinatown. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, uh, but this idea that, that he he says, this this, this is interesting to me, what he he said about uh, anyone, people in the right position can do can do anything, you know? Yeah. And there's a, there's a whole strain of movies we could talk about uh, of basically people who seem good and then are given too much power and they turn evil. Right. You know, because it is... I've said this almost word for word on the podcast before. One of my favorite things about Christianity, well, you know, one of the few things I can really be on board with right. is the man is wicked thing. Because I absolutely believe it to be true that people are naturally just 
fucking shitbirds. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Shitbird. Have you been reading some uh, James Elroy? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. Uh, but, th- yeah, that's uh, – people are awful and – to learn to be good is that that's a that's a trait that came along with with uh sentience and then civilization right uh and i can think of a really great sort of subtle example and maybe because i was just watching this movie fairly recently but uh the born ultimatum oh yeah the david strathairn character oh yeah now the the things that he does in that movie are are questionable and uh now there's a you know, there's a there's a deleted scene that I shouldn't. It's I know that deleted scenes are like non-canonical, and I shouldn't be applying it to the. But there's a deleted scene where he goes into more depth about the, you know, the freedom that he's given because of the the Patriot Act and, and right, stuff, right. and the freedom he's given to use lethal force essentially. Yeah. You know, like spoiler alert again for real if you care. Uh, you know, he orders Patty Considine to be killed right. towards the beginning. You know, and he's just a journalist. Uh, you know, and that what I, what I like about that about that person is that you can see him. It's almost like he's in the early stages. Of, if you if if you let this David Strathairn character, uh, uh, shit, I can't remember his name. I think I thought Noah. of him because you said Noah it's Cross, Noah something. and yeah, I said yeah. it's Noah Noah Vosen, I think yeah. is his name. Uh, if you let him stay in his job long enough, he will eventually be pretty evil. This is just him, sort of, I guess. Uh, interpreting loosely what yeah. he's allowed to do. And you get the you sense know? that he's he's ju- like he's already kind of tested the waters of what he's done. Now he's going just a little bit further. Yeah. You know? And then he again further spoilers, he, you know, he essentially he orders the Julia Stiles character to be right. killed, you know. And that's another thing like if you're a thinking different if you're a person who thinks differently than I am and you look at the situation and what she did because she definitely went against Right, what she's supposed to do. You can see how that would be, you know, weirdly logical. Yeah, but it's still a little extreme. Yeah, and I, that's what I really like about that. It's it's the it's the budding of evil. I think. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and then there's also, let's see, then there's also a movie like you know to bring up, two thousand seven. I'll say it again: it, strong year for American movies, strong year for evil. Um, <laughs> because No Country for Old Men, I mean, there's one sure. where the villain, where evil is allowed to endure, not even allowed to endure, I'm sorry, people try to kill it, but it just keeps going, you yeah. know, and it can't be stopped, but, but it makes you wonder, like, but I'm not sure if, if Anton Chigur is truly evil, because he's crazy. Like yeah he's yeah that's, he's, there's a difference yeah he's good old fashioned crazy he seems very sane but it's like he never kills anybody out of malice or really to get any like yeah he stands to gain a couple million dollars but it's almost just like he views that as oh finally an excuse to kill people um, <laughs> you know validation to my absolute insanity but uh, you know, that's that's a little uh, reductive because I think well I know there's yeah. more to that character I think he. I mean, this is an almost an, uh, an obvious comparison to compare him to Two Face because he does the coin right, flipping right. thing. Uh, but his existentialism, yeah, he 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 says that the, there are rules. I, uh, you know, I interpret them. He's pretty much the only person who interprets the rules of the universe the way he does. <laughs> right. But he's pretty much saying, you know, like he says a lot. You know, it, or I don't know if he sa- exactly what he says, but so I don't know. It's not me. What does he say? Oh, I don't remember. It's not me. Is the I'm getting the gross point blank thing. That's what John Cusack always says. It's not me, just because yeah. he's, you know, too much of a pussy to commit to being a right, a right man. I love gross point blank, by the way. Yeah, but uh, uh, he basically his uh, like Anton Chigurh's point of view is that I don't have a say. You know, you've got to die. That's just the way it goes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and just. Uh... Yeah, he's he's a very layered character. I didn't mean to be very reductive, but at the same time, it's not he certainly is not Daniel Plainview. He's not out there for himself, but uh and I would say just to bring I'll bring up uh, Lord of the Rings very briefly because just, I mean, we're talking, you know, anytime you talk about something as very definite uh as evil, something uh-huh. as as uh, with a 
as grand a concept as that, you're going to run across Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know, uh-huh. stuff that is very fantastic, you know, because in fairy tales you think of good and evil. Um, and yeah, I, but this is, again, evil in the abstract and personified right. by villains. Yeah, yeah, that's it's kind of a shame, but like, but it is interesting because the the villain of uh, of um, Lord of the Rings isn't really personified. It's just a big flaming eye, you know. I mean, right. granted, there's also Christopher Lee and and that kind of thing, right? Um, and the idea that some good people turn to evil, uh, but. Uh, I don't know. Like, I view that series, like, there's a lot of people who don't care for it, um, but I view that series as just an interesting discussion of good and evil. Certainly, I'd say a much more black and white one, but, like, but the the downfall of, let's see, there's Saruman and and Sauron. Wait, that right? Sounds right. Sauron. <laughs> it's been a while. For yeah. And I, yeah, I'm not... Right. And they're very close, those names. It's very frustrating. I never understood that. But anyway, um, but the downfall of both comes from the fact that, I mean... There are geeks geek- seething right now, by the oh, way. Oh, my. I, I can only imagine. And you know what? I apologize, because I would be just as angry if someone was uh, yeah. convi- you know, was confusing Cordelia and Anya on, on Buffy. <laughs> I'd be like, how could you? But, um, but like, the... Uh, I guess this kind of goes back to kind of what I was saying about just evil and how it becomes so self-focused. But what's more is when <sighs> there was a Jet Li, Jet Li movie called The One uh-huh. where like – and I never saw it, but I saw the last scene of it where That's basically – That's movie that I swear to God I can't remember if I saw it or not. I think you've seen I it. I think I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. Because basically it's this one guy who's like the best. He's the best fighter or whatever. And he has to fight versions of himself at the end. Oh, right. And he's like standing literally like at the top of a hill and there's all these versions of him coming after him. And he has to fight them off. But and it's and You know why I can't remember if I've seen the movie or not? Okay. Because the trailer is literally more memorable than the movie. <laughs> because it has Jason Statham, right? Yelling is this am I the thing of that movie where he's yelling 30 seconds. And that was how every trailer ended. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think. Was that the one? I think that's. I, no, I can't. I don't know, oh, damn it. Together. I mean, it was, obviously, it wasn't War, which is the other. Right, right. Uh, Jason Statham. Anyway. <laughs> the uh, Jet Li Jason Statham reunion. <laughs> much anticipated. Um, but the. Uh, but, like, I view I view it that way, where it's just like. It's this guy who's just on the on top of this mountain, and he's just fighting for what? Just basically to stay on top of the mountain, and just like, and with like uh, Lord of the Rings, like uh, in the Two Towers, both instances they're so so that they can stay on top, they have to constantly be worrying about everything. You know, I mean, uh-huh. that's the thing about being the best and and being and making sure that you're always the best you know always on top is that yeah that you can't sustain that for long because there's just so many things set against you it's like at the end of juice when he kills tupac and then the guy says you got the juice now well i've never seen juice but thanks (laughs) jerk it's a pretty dumb movie oh okay I mean, Tupac is, is good in it. Yeah. He's Tupac. Damn it, he was a great is, actor, but... I thought Juice was good. Oh, I'm thinking of, New, thinking of New Jack City is what I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, I thought maybe you were thinking of, of Gridlocked, the, Gridlocked the is other great. movie with Tupac, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. If you haven't, listeners, if you haven't seen... Howard Hessman. <laughs> Howard Hessman. You're damn right it's with <laughs> Howard Hessman. Um, but the... Uh, we should wrap up. Oh, okay. Did you have, like, closing remarks? Were you oh, yeah, yeah. Just basically, just, you know, Lord of the Rings... Basically, these guys are so focused on their army and what they're going to do. Like, in the case of Saruman, like, he can't... Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. He can't see the woods for the trees. <laughs> What's about that? I, because I love trees that come out and attack him. Oh, right. That's, yeah. And I didn't mean for it to work out that way. But, uh... That's and funny, so, uh-huh. Yeah, I know. It's, I wish I hadn't <laughs> shit all over it. But just, I don't know, just... I guess all this goes back to Star Wars 3. It's like, it's for this reason that I can't dismiss it because it made me think of all of this just the nature of it and it's kind of a lofty discussion and anybody who uh wants to partake is welcome to uh battleship pretension at hotmail.com we haven't been getting a lot of emails everybody so uh, you know what 
That's fine with me. I'm fucking busy. <laughs> Clearly, because I said so. Um, <laughs> well, that's different when I'm sick. Okay. Um, right. So, yeah. Okay. Now we've gone about an hour. All right. Which we said we weren't going to do. But I, I guarantee if you consider every mention of Ewan McGregor to be like bonus materials, <laughs> it's probably about 40 minutes. We should cut out our tangents and have them be like uh, BP supplements or something. Right. And we would have about 50 a week. But whatever. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you can comment on the Facebook page or whatever. And uh, we'll uh, get you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.